Black Light listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Adonia Jaja and Levi T. Arena. And AD is sick as a dog. I am sick. I've got things coming out of every orifice. And <laughs> it is not. I'm just kidding. I mean, I have a cold or something. I, for Easter, we had some kids over. I think I was just playing with them and didn't even think about it. I don't know if that's what it was, but a couple of days after, I was. I'm just not in a great place. This is AD's late night FM DJ voice. Just I think sometimes sick voice sounds like sexy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's you like, see episodes from Friends when Phoebe gets sick and she has a really deep voice and, and then she gets better. She's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen that, but I, I like the idea of it because, you know, it's like your your voice gets a little raspy. This isn't my best sick voice. I hope I get sick another way. Because uh, I feel like I have another, like, really, like, raspy sort of sick voice. And it's like, yeah, what's up, AD? How's it going? Do you have a good sick voice, Levi? No, I think my sick voice is just sick. I think I, like, kind of nasally in, when I get sick and stuff. So maybe more so than usual. So I don't feel like it's very appealing. Yeah, well, because I'm sick, we're doing Zencaster again. Uh, so we are speaking remotely. There's a good um, chance AD and I will never see each other again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did just see you a couple days ago when you came over to play chess. And uh, I got to say, I think that that was one of the best chess games I've ever played. That last Yeah, it, it, for all those listening, AD won that last game. And I'll be honest, it was amazing. His night just cleaned up. Just, just cleaned it up, you know? It was... It was brutal. Uh, dare I, dare I say player. savage. Yeah, it was so crazy. My, my knight just came in there and like took three of your power pieces. Like forked, a, uh, forked your rook and your bishop, took the bishop, and that put me set up to, to – that put you in check and another bishop fork. I think it did. I think so. And so you had to move your king, and so I took your I took your bishop, and then it forked something else. So, you ha- so I took your rook. I can't remember the last one. Whatever, whatever the last one. I think was. you took a, a pawn, two bishops, and a rook. So, oh my god, no, it was oh my, it was brutal. Yeah, and then the end game was just uh, so lovely. Uh, I was, you know, I don't think chess should affect me the way it does, but when I win, I feel better about my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I'm doing things right. My mind is working. I'm, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel like that's wrong because I feel like when I win chess games and I leave, I just feel like ah, that's, I feel amazing. Well, actually last night yeah. we were, um, me and Kalen and uh, his brother and another friend of theirs, we were playing some Catan. And we were locked in this like three and a half hour long game of Catan. And I honestly, the whole game was just like sitting on the sidelines. I like wasn't doing super great. And then at the last second, I kind of like started climbing my way around. And then like on one random turn, I pulled it together and I won. And it was amazing. It was like, I feel amazing because I made something happen <laughs> out, of, out of seemingly nowhere. And there's just something great about like, Making something amazing out of nothing, especially when, uh, especially in chess, though, because there's no luck. It's just like, yeah, I did that myself. Yeah, like your mind put it together. Uh, you say Catan and not Catan, apparently. Catan. 
Is that the right way to say oh, it? Oh, I, I honestly don't know. Um, I So it's a German game. When I lived in Germany, they'd say Ziedler von Katan. Von Katan. Yeah. So I think I, I think I just took the German pronunciation, the Katan. Yeah. I'm going to say that you sound a little, your German sounds a little too good. It's not good. It's terrible, actually. But it sounds not, like super. It sounds, that's the only thing is like, as long as people who don't speak German hear it, they're like, oh, that sounds like good German. You'd never know. But it's really bad. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's my, I, have a, I have an accent and my vocabulary is lacking and, you know, whatever. We don't have to talk about that anymore. It's sad. Uh, oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. It's just sad. Sorry to bring that up. <laughs> uh, I do want to talk about uh, the chess hierarchy of, of the wedding world. Okay. Now, I feel like this could be a little problematic. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the problems first and then we can talk about the stuff. So what are the, what are the problems? Uh, well, I mean, listen, here on the Black White Podcast, <laughs> <laughs> we take we have a lot of takes. And we're just we're just having fun, but we're just trying to talk about things, you know? And so I think one problem is that in the chess ranking system, we are ranking sort we're of We're doing exactly that. We're <laughs> just for, yeah, we're, yeah. We're literally ranking people. <laughs> but it's not like everyone has their own rank. You were saying that earlier. You know, right. that, every every client has their own hierarchy that they will rate, rank somebody in, and it may not align with somebody else's. So whatever it takes you have don't really matter because it only depends on what the client decides that they value because that's how they spend their money, essentially. Like, if they value their venue the most, they will spend their money in a venue versus a photographer, just the way it is, or on food or whatever. Or maybe it's just the way that if you have 150 guests, you have to spend $20,000 on food and venue, whatever, um, you know. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the problems, I guess that who's texting you, Levi, who's texting you over there. I can hear your text message. Oh, really? My wife texted me and it came through my headphones. (laughs) That's kind of cool. Um, yeah. What are the problems? Let's see. I think that's basically that's it. basically it. That fact that it feels like we're objectifying vendors because we're placing them in a subjective order of value. Which we are, but we're doing it just for fun. And you'll notice that the photographer doesn't always have all the power. We're we're trying to actually be objective and just say, oh, this is kind of what we've noticed uh, as we play chess and also photograph weddings. Yes, okay. So there's there's a couple different scenarios here. AD, how about you start us off? Kick us off. Who so if those that aren't familiar with chess, this is the most important thing. Um, the king is the most important piece on the game. You have to have your king. Um, and if you lose your king, or if your king is in what's called checkmate, then you lose and the game's over. So the king is the most important piece. So AD, when it comes to a wedding, who do you think is the king? All right. The the king is one hundred percent the the bride. The bride for me has to be happy at the end of the day. And so everybody in, at the wedding is trying to make sure the bride is happy. If the bride uh, isn't happy, then checkmate. Everybody loses. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the whole gig is yeah. up. Everybody. That's kind of how I, you know, so everything that you're doing during the day, you're like, how do you make the bride happy? Or how, let's just ensure that the bride is happy, that kind of yeah. thing. And so I think the rest of the pieces have uh, a power value in 
in it as much as they can influence the day or influence the happiness of the bride. Does that make yep, sense? That makes sense to me. Yeah. So, so for me, I think uh, the queen is the planner. So in chess, the, the queen has the most powerful, it's the most powerful piece. It can move anywhere on the board. It can do so many things. Uh, and so the planner is kind of like that on a wedding day. They can just go anywhere that they want to go. They can influence anyone, really. You know, they have a lot of power. Uh, ooh, yeah, I like that. What do you got? Yeah, right yeah. Um, I, I think I will actually echo that. Dang, that notification in my earphones is crazy. Um, but yes, I would echo that. I think that it is the bride and, or the couple in general, the couple has to be the, the king. Although if we're honest, I think it, this is like, it's not always this way, but it's not speaking generalizations, but the reality is it typically is a bride more often than it is, uh, oh, yeah. uh someone else. Um, yeah, you want it to be the couple. It's kind of like the couple, but listen, more often than not, unfortunately, the groom is just chilling he's just happy he's just you know what i mean he's just like yeah whatever you know like more often than not i don't and so and i i don't say i won't say i've ever had an unhappy bride of mine i've been to weddings where one of my brides were unhappy but it wasn't my wedding and it wasn't because of the photography i just remember the mom and the dad coming into the room with her before the wedding and it was raining and the mom said, she was like, I told you we should have had this on another day. Uh, and I remember being like, oh, my gosh, wow, why is, would you say that? It's brutal. Yeah. And, she, and the bride started crying. I was like, well, I would cry, too. That was like the meanest thing you could have said to her. <laughs> but, you know, and the mom, it was like a fancy wedding, too. And the mom wasn't really trying to be mean. She just said whatever she was thinking. She's like, I told you we should have had this on another day. I was like, What? Uh, like I wanted to step in and say, uh, no, no, everything's fine. We're good. You know, cause it actually, the rain let up. It's Colorado. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, but that was the only time where I think I've had a bride who was unjustifiably unhappy. Yeah. You know? Okay. Well, so in your context that, that obviously the, uh, that precludes that the, 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 there's a planner present, who would be the queen if there was no planner present if the couple did not hire a planner? Oh, Oh, that's a good question. I mean, and there's no like friend planner, you know. Some people have like, I mean, uh, ooh, I have a type type A friend. Yeah, sure, but even even still, like, if the friend's kind of type A, but it's not like super organized really well, or it's just like laid out, you know, it's just a timeline kind of thing. It's not like a huge orchestration or production. Because um, I feel like I do think there's a huge difference between a planner and like a friend who is planning things. Not that the, a friend can't do a good job, um, but if it's if they're not do it if they're not professional at it or if it's out there like their their job or they're not familiar with those kind of events, I think friends can do a good job of organizing things, but it's a different role than a planner would be because a planner is kind of like moving logistics around. They're like they're basically. I mean, if it was a movie, they'd be a producer, and so yeah. I yeah. So yeah, if there's no no planner, who's the queen? Okay, I'm gonna say. And I know people are not going to be happy with this. Wait, this is a photography podcast. The <laughs> photographer is the queen. <laughs> um, only, okay, photographer is the third most powerful in my, you know, in my estimation. Okay. Just because they're, they're there for 
the whole part of the day. I would actually, if the planner is present, I think I would put the photographer as the, the night. Because uh, for those that don't know chess, the knight can move very freely around the board. Uh, he doesn't have to wait for other pieces to move. He can jump over pieces. He's the only piece that can just kind of get anywhere in a in a in a very odd way. It doesn't, you know, he doesn't really run. He has his own rules. Yeah, and also way. oftentimes when you're playing chess, it doesn't even make sense. A lot of times, it's like, what the heck just happened? Like, how did that guy get there? And I think that's. I, so I think uh, a knight being a photographer is pretty uh, pretty good. Yeah, because he's there. He can be there in the very beginning till the very end, and he can affect the game very strongly or not at all. And so I think depending on your photography style, you can be a very night-heavy or, or photographer-heavy day, uh, just depending on how you how you shoot. Yeah. So if the photographer's not present, there are times, I'm sure there are times with you, where you become the planner. Oh, where yeah. everyone's looking oh, to you for the timeline. Yeah. They're looking for you for where the restroom is. They're looking for you for everything because you're the only other person besides the bridal party that knows what's going on. And so you become the go-to person. Yeah, I think that's a very true. I think realistically, photographers kind of like become the de facto planner if there is no planner because um, they'll help you put together a timeline or here's a schedule of events. And it's literally because they need to know what's happening and where. But I think that... Right, they have to know everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think the, the photographer becomes a, a de facto planner in that way. So I, I would, yeah, I guess I would say that the photographer... Um, could step into that role of being most important if the planner's not present, but I think your estimation is correct. Um, okay, how about like a venue? Where does a venue fit into the whole spectrum? Bro, I think the venue is the is the chessboard. I was talking to, <laughs> I don't know if we talked about that. I was talking to another That's, friend. Yeah, that we did not. That was yeah. that was a left field. Yeah, yeah. It's just the chessboard. It's what does the chessboard look like? What you know? Because oftentimes the person who is running the venue isn't there. Like they come early in the day, they open up the venue and they leave at night. There are a few venues where the, the host, you know, I've been to some where the host is like part of the wedding and they're like hanging around. Uh, but I would say they're just, that's just the stage in which the game is played. And so it, it can affect the game. I know we play chess on different types of boards. And if you, can't tell the difference between the squares or whatever. It kind of affects how you play. Yeah, Do you true. play online versus physically? You know, and so it is important, but I would liken it to the chessboard. Hmm. That is kind of uh, a yeah, it's kind of a, a non answer answer. But I mean I get it and I like I do like it. Um, because well, I do feel what, like what do you think? well I mean I think that makes the most sense in terms of like the logistics of the, how the game is played. But I also feel like a venue can be like I think it. Yeah, I think I mean I think you're right because I think venues can actually really affect things, but they don't actually typically affect the wedding day itself. They've are, they more or less have done all their effects prior to the wedding day. Like you've kind of orchestrated right. how you plan your wedding based on what the venue does or does not allow and things like that. So by the time the wedding actually happens, you should have already kind of sorted all that stuff out. Um, so I think that's actually a pretty good assessment. Yeah. What, what do you think about uh, the florist? Hmm. I I think the florists are kind of like the rook. Whoa, the rook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Please. And uh, so the the rook is like little castle guy, and uh, he is. And the reason I think that the florist is like that is because 
the Rook is only powerful once you activate it. Like if you don't do anything with it, it just kind of sits there. And you've got to kind of bring it out and make it happen. But when you bring it out and make it happen, it like really makes it makes it happen, you know? And that's the thing about florals. I think like with florals, you can kind of not do any flowers and just pretty low key and that's fine. Um, but I feel like if you do like have a great florist and they really go all out and really do amazing stuff, then they can actually really like make things come alive in a really big way. I think, and I, I've been told this many times by couples, um, and I don't agree with this, but I've been told this, I've said, I've, people have told me like, oh yeah, we decided not to get any flowers because we're here in Colorado. It's just naturally beautiful. And it's not so much the florals that make things beautiful, but just like there's a certain aesthetic um, that I think florals and design kind of brings to the to the situation. Also, and I feel like what I love about florals is that they are this piece of aesthetic that just kind of helps elevate stuff. If you've ever been to a place that has flowers in it, it just typically looks better with flowers than it does without flowers. And it doesn't have to be flower related. I think that could go down to anything that's aesthetic, whether that's like clothing if for a wedding. It'd be like dress suit style of event decor, et cetera. Uh, but I think it's mostly brought down to things like florals. Uh, and so I think if I had two, two like ricks, one would be florals. I think one would be like style and aesthetic where I think that as long like they're not really do much for you if you don't activate them, but if you do activate them, like they can do a lot of stuff and they can like really elevate something. So. All right. I like how you said it, but I'm going to, I'm going to go against you. Okay. I'm going to put florals as a bishop. Ooh. And so a bishop is not as strong as a rook, but it is more active and normally more often played as a rook. And I'm only saying that because no matter if you have florals or if you don't, or if you go crazy with your florals, they're still going to affect the day. Like your style and aesthetic is always going to be in the game, no matter what, you know, no matter if you come to the game, come wearing a tuxedo suit uh, made out of jeans or (laughs) or you wear you know what i mean or you uh have buttons as your as your your bouquet or bouquet whatever i never know how to say that uh no matter what you do what your style and aesthetic (laughs) i'm just laughing about that (laughs) i've seen it before it's actually it's actually really cool or like a paper bouquet or where people make their own you know, it's interesting. It's different. And so I like it when people do that. But no matter how plain or like if you just go with a bouquet of roses, that's, that can be nice. Uh, your It will still be in the game in a sense. It's, it still kind of lends itself to whatever your aesthetic is. You're right. If you uh, go and put a lot of uh, thought into the aesthetic, which I appreciate, then uh, – then it's just a more powerful bishop or a bishop that is uh, that is positioned very well. Uh, and so that's why I, I, I think it's a bishop. Uh, I will say that I think that the rook is uh, the mother of the bride, the MOB, hmm. or, or the groom, or the mother of the groom, or like the parents. Only, I'm only saying that because if you don't act, if you don't, uh, activate the parents. They nothing will happen. Like if if they don't ever say anything, nothing will happen. But if the mom of the bride says something to any player on the board, they have to listen. You know what I mean? Like to be their second to the queen. Do you hear? Do you yeah, feel me? Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, like, I think I um, I understand the sentiment. I think I do slightly still like my. Uh, 
my because you still like the florist. I still like my thing. Yeah, but that's okay. Um, okay, for no, but what what I'm saying is like the mother of the bride is just like the rook in the sense that if she, sometimes it, the mother of the bride, you'll never say a word. You'll say hello and hi and hug, but she'll never affect the day. But if you, she decides to affect the day, if she decides to be a part of the game, it is a huge deal. Yeah. Like she is making big. If she's like, hey, go over here. And she says that to me. I, I'm like, oh, okay, where, where? Tell me where exactly you would like me to go. Like, wh- 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 you know. Uh, or if she says, "Hey, whatever," she says to the planner, "Hey, it's too hot in here." It's it's the mom who says that kind of stuff. The the temperature comes down, and so she's almost. Although she doesn't have to move everywhere, she affects the day in a huge way. I, I, you know, in a great way. Like she, you know, imagine the the example I said when the mom was like. Hey, I told you not to have this day, you know, this wedding today. And then the then the king starts crying. I was like, oh no, the king is crying. You know, like just a little move from the anyway, that's uh ah, I feel like it fits perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I think I gotta throw a bone to all of our, our video friends that are out there because um where do videographers or filmmakers fit into the board? Oh, come on, they're pawns, man. They're pawns. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, video people. Come on now. Uh, okay. I, I would have to say that they're also knights. Okay. Would, it's like the other side of the knight. Yeah, it's a two. Yeah, there's two knights mm-hmm. on the board. Sure, they can be the other knight. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think that's pretty true. I The thing is like most video teams that I've worked with, I've worked with some amazing video teams. I've worked with some that are like not as amazing. The ones that I feel like I work with that are amazing are a bit more assertive and kind of say what they need from the couple. Um, and the ones that are less amazing, I feel like I'm doing all the work and they're just kind of like shooting over my shoulder. And in that case, I feel like those video crews, I feel like are more like pawns. <laughs> I'll be honest because, because, and I'm sure video people feel the same way about photographers that like are terrible as well too. Um, because I feel like one person's doing the work, other person's just kind of like doing their thing. And I be and I think in a lot of those situations, the when I feel like the filmmakers are less assertive, I feel like the films are also less interesting. Um, and when I have friends that are filmmakers that do make films that are and they are more assertive themselves, I think the films are way more interesting because they're involved, and then the couple is also involved in the situation. Because um, so I I would agree. I think like a good filmmaker, like a good photographer, would definitely be a knight. Uh, and I think. A bad filmmaker, probably like a bad photographer, probably end up being kind of more like a pawn. Um, I think that probably goes both ways. Yeah. Gosh, I, I do hate it when the video guys, I imagine that the lead video guy might tell the second, hey, if you don't know what to do, just look and see what the photographer's doing and just do what he's doing. I imagine that sometimes that's that's how bad it is sometimes from our standpoint as a photographer. That It seems like the video person is intentionally like trailing us and standing behind us and shooting whatever we're, sh- Oh, they're shooting this. I'll shoot it. I won't even right. move the thing. I'll shoot it exactly how they shot it. Or, you know, and I'm just like, I get it. And I want you to get the shot. But at some point there's a little bit of artistic like license that you're not taking. You're not like, you're just, you know, and so, yeah, I, I still don't know if that I would call them a pawn just because, just because of how they affect the day, man. Like, there's no way the, the the video guy is still or girl 
uh, is still present all the time. That is true, but you know I, mean? I also think pawns aren't just throwaway pieces like people think they are. Like a good pawn structure can be phenomenal. True, true, true. Yeah, I mean, but we gotta leave room for like the makeup artist Ooh, okay. and the hairstylist yeah. and who? Where do you think they fall? Man, that's a good question. I feel like because they're with you, their work is with you from the beginning to the yeah, end. Yeah, that's true. I you also know, feel it's not like I also feel yeah. like. Um, I've seen this happen where I've had particularly brides who get their makeup and hair done and then they're not stoked on it and they'll kind of like redo it themselves. And I think first of all, it's just a big bummer because it's like, man, like I wish the person who you hired would have done the, what you wanted them to do off the bat. Um, but I also feel like because there is a way for the, the, I, I guess it kind of goes back to like being good or being bad. I feel like if, if they're, if they're really good, which I feel like I work, work with people who are really amazing, um, I feel like it just adds so much to that. I guess I put them as like a bishop, you know, they're kind of behind the scenes a little bit. Like you, they kind of can linger for a little bit. They're, um, they're good and they kind of like move across the whole board um, if you let them. So I think I'd say they're probably in the bishop, a bishop for me. I feel like you do really have, I think if, if uh, I think they can make a really monumental difference in, in the experience and like even the timeline or whatnot. Boston, they can kind of screw you over too. If like they, if they're bad at their timeline that they like delayed, they can also throw you off so badly. Oh, that's a good point. They do have a bit of power in timeline yeah. management. And I do feel like there is that. So I do think a bishop is a good spot because they can, they can really be a good asset, but I've also had bishops like just get stuck somewhere and I'm like, okay, I guess I, like, I guess this is just a waste. And that's probably me, my fault as a chess player, but I feel like bishops can also get like caught in the middle sometimes. And I feel like that's kind of how I'd imagine that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. I think I would, I might put them as, Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. You have to say it, man. Say it. No, I, I think upon just because, like you said, the good pawn structure is is very important, but especially, you know, like in the beginning of the day, yeah. a good pawn structure kind of sets a good tone for the rest of the, the game. I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah, and so if you set your pawns up well in the beginning, then you're good, you know, everything else can kind of move better. And so I would say they're not just one pawn. They, they work collectively as two or three pawns and and they're they're a good pawn yeah. structure yeah. yeah that makes sense yeah uh, just be yeah i think i think that's fair i think uh, yeah everyone who's listening to this who like does hair and makeup professionally would be like you guys know nothing about hair and makeup and first off you're right oh no 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 i don't listen <laughs> i've i've won and lost games based on my pawn structure it's not it is not uh i'm not belittling them but I'm still just talking. This is the part that could be problematic. It's just like impact. Right. It's like, no, I want the best, you know, florist. I want the best vendors and everything for my for my clients. I want them to have the best. That's why they hire me. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> uh, but what I'm saying is, I want them to those. All those things are important. But as far as like overall impact uh, to the queen. Or to the king, I, I just imagine that at first it's very important, 
and then like you know some 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 uh, some stylist and some makeup artist and hairstylist they'll stay all day and they're constantly touching up and i think those are way more important because even after they cry for the ceremony the hairstylist is right there for, before family photos and so if you care if you have one who's on hand all day i would even liken that to a promoted bishop so once a pawn gets to the other side of the board it gets it gets promoted to a bishop or whatever piece you want really and so i would say that that it, at first it's a pawn but as they continue to affect the day then maybe they get promoted yeah. to another piece but uh it's uh, they're all still important i'm not saying that one is how about something important. like a uh, like stationary design or something like that Oh gosh, that's a that's a tough one because the listeners haven't heard this. But we when we talked to the Scobies, they just said mentioned that uh, capturing details, you know, are important to them, but it's not like their their main thing. And I I remember looking at Levi because I was like, oh, that's interesting. I I actually love details. I love uh, I love how you can how they're an extension of you, like the things in your house they tell a story about who you are. And so the details for your wedding tell a story about your day. And so I love photographing details in a very interesting way. Uh, but so, yes, I think that goes with the overall style and aesthetic. So like your, your, your flowers uh, and all those things you talked about earlier help, uh, help uh, sort of give the day some sort of ambiance or, or feel to them. And I think that's really important. I, I really enjoy when a wedding has a certain feel or allure to it. And I think that all starts with, you know, what sort of press or paper products they have, what sort of flowers and all the details that surround it. And even how people are dressed, all that, it does affect the day in my opinion. And so I don't, not that that's the most important thing, but it affects the day. And so I would, I would put all that in the in the pond, uh, not the pond, the uh, the bishop's circle. Okay, like, and that's just like details in general, like the general details of the day. Yeah, general details. I'm not gonna like split it up to be like, oh, stationary, sure. and you know, but in, in the whole floral realm, I'm just going with with style and aesthetic of the day, and the, the people who affect that, I'm gonna go with. That's definitely a bishop. Hmm. Like they're in the game, they're powerful. Dang. What do you think? Yeah, I'm. I mean, I. I guess if I if I had to stay my style thing, I'd say I I think I because there are two rooks. I probably would say yeah, I'd stick to my thing that you know there they can be a rook piece of that. Um, that's probably a little much though for like things like stationery. I wouldn't put all the details I guess in that that place. But I do think that they really set the tone. Like if for example, if you make them really amazing like invitations and paper goods and stuff that you send out to all your people that you're inviting to your wedding, like that's gonna set the bar. Like you're not gonna. You're not going to send send out someone like a twenty five dollar invitation that you designed and spent tons of money on, and then give them like a like like semi raw chicken for a meal. You know, like you're going to give them an amazing meal. If like the invitations are like baller, the wedding's going to be baller. That's just the way it goes. Like, okay. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So I. This is funny that you were talking. You like raw chicken? <laughs> you ever heard raw chicken at a wedding? No, I didn't know that at Applebee's one time, but uh, oh. Um, yeah, take that Applebee's at Applebee's. Yeah, exactly. Take your, take your raw chicken, chicken get out of here. <laughs> but um, yeah, so 
<laughs> Lots of train of thought. Oh yeah, but I, I do uh, I do think that um that those things do matter. They're just that it's it's part of that aesthetic piece. Like if you bought in early, you'll buy in later on. Um, but yeah. that you can also have an amazing wedding without having like amazing invitations or like crazy anything crazy. So I think it's important, but I don't know. I, yeah, I yeah. feel bad saying that, but I guess that's what the whole that's the whole uh, point I mean, of this, we're right? Doing it. Yeah, we're here. I, I, there's, I mean, there literally is no point in in doing this. We don't have. We didn't have to. Do it. We're just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we're just doing it for fun. I think it's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I hope it doesn't mean that we'll never get work again. Uh, but I'm curious to hear what, what people think, though. Other people think. I'm curious what like what listeners are are listen are what they think is the most important person. Because I think some people would say, especially if you're working in higher end weddings, that the mother, the bride might be the king where they're the person you have to please on the wedding day itself. Right. Um, right. So I feel like it's every kind of, every situation is going to be dependent upon what situation you are in as a photographer or filmmaker or whatever, or whatever role you're as, you know? Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. What, what about the, what about the guests? Are the guests pawns like, I feel bad looking, thinking about about them as pawns, but is that where they exist? Or are we just talking about vendors? Are we just talking? About I mean, them? I think it's okay to talk about guests. I think I would say, yeah, man. Like, I I think that guests can shape part of the wedding, but most of the wedding has already been shaped. Like, most of the wedding design and how it's going to look and how it's going to be affected and all this stuff. And also, after having been married, like, I it was so great to see all of our guests on our wedding day, but I didn't get to spend nearly as much time with them as I would have wanted. Like, there wasn't like necessarily like. I'm so glad they were all there. However, I with so much stuff happening and so many people wanted to talk to you, there's, the reality is that you don't get to see your guests and integrate with them as much as you would like to, typically until you get to like the, the party side of it, like the dance part of it or reception. Yeah, you definitely spend more time during the day with your, with your photographer yeah. than you do any of your guests, yeah. which I think is so weird. You know, when I think when I think about it, it's like, oh, even the romantic walk at sunset, it's with your photographer. It's not with like your best friend. And so I understand when people are like, Oh, I just want my friend to shoot my wedding for that reason. Yeah. Even though their, their imagery is gonna look so bad. <laughs> but I, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Listen, it's just straight up. I, I mean, you've heard we've all heard the horror stories. It's like I went with my friend and that's the thing that I wish I didn't do for my wedding. Uh so I get, I think there is a thing about having a photographer that you can hang with all day long for eight hours at, and they're going to affect your day. They're going to be there hanging out with you. Just like, so you have to be like, a photographer can't just be some weird, you know, awkward, weird dude. They just need to be someone you could talk to. So photographers and videographers out there who are listening, when you meet with a person, it is important that you connect with them. Like, it's very important that you guys find common ground and just chat about, I don't know. I had a probably a two-hour conversation with a client about Avengers Endgame, and it was it was with the bride to be. It was so amazing, <laughs> and so she didn't end up booking me. Uh, she booked a friend of mine, and which is fine. But she, but we've been texting, and as soon as she's going to watch Endgame on Friday. I'm going to watch it on Sunday and we're going to have another talk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we're just going to talk about Endgame, And that's, but, and I think it would have been great to photograph her wedding, but I think I, I love that we connected. So besides even photographing her, she just wants to hang out with me. Like she just wants to talk to me. And I think that's very important for, I think any sales job. It's just like, listen, at the end of the day, it's a person and yeah. the person 
needs to just like you. Yeah. Like, and so finding common ground and being like, Hey, Oh, what are you into? Oh, how do you know about that? Oh, you went fly fishing. Oh, I've been fly fishing. You know, like that's super important stuff. If you don't do that, like you'll, you will, you will not be, you will not be a knight. You'll be a pawn. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> No, just <laughs> well, I, th- I think you, did you hear my cackle just then? I, that just was like, that was like that was a great that. that's a great word for it too. It was a cackle. Um, I think that yeah. that's a really good Gosh, what horrible. you just said that was actually really insightful. Just on the side that I think a lot of people, especially photographers, uh, don't like to think of themselves as salespeople, but that's kind of what you are. Like you're there to make a sale. Like that. and yeah, you're selling something that you can believe in, but you're making a sale. I think that's really really. And, important thing to remember is that all of us are out here selling something like on Instagram or on Facebook or our websites, whatever. We're all like selling something. And maybe it is like, Hey, spend eight amazing hours with me because I'm awesome. But you're trying to convince somebody to give you money in exchange for something for a service, which is sales. And I think it's just good to know that it's just a good, I I like being reminded of that because, um, it, it it contextualizes what I do. Yeah. Well, we try to be too cool and too hip and say, Oh, I don't do it for, I do it because of the love of the art or whatever. And I do that. I I love the art of it, but I had to remember like, wait a minute, I'm here to get the client's imagery. And that's, that's the same thing that McDonald's is doing. They're here to get me burgers and French fries. And even though it sounds horrible, I, that's my job. My job is to get them, give them images. And if I don't sell myself to them, they'll never have it. They'll just say, I'll go with someone else who is trying harder or, or if they've never heard about my burger place, they'll never come to the door and they'll never even taste this amazing burger that I'm making. So I have to advertise. I'm just serious. I, I, you know, McDonald's, even though they might be the crappiest burger, they're still out there. They're pushing themselves and they're just like, Hey, if you want a burger, burger, you know where you can find a burger, you know, like you see McDonald's, you know that there's a burger there. So, yeah, not that I want any of our listeners to be the McDonald's of wedding photography. That would be horrible. Uh, but I do think that there there is something to, if you don't advertise, no one will know that you exist. If you don't try to get the blogs, if you don't try to push yourself out there, if you don't talk to planners, if you don't connect with all the florists and the, the people in your industry or around you, they will not know that you exist, simply and plainly. It, it is the work of your business. And if you think that you have the best product out there, it is your duty to get it to your clients. Like in a way, like if you think, hey, I really want these clients to have the best opportunity and the best wedding photography or whatever, the best product, then you have to help them get it. They're just sitting here looking at the world. And if you don't put up a billboard and say, hey, here it is. Here's the best. Come look at this. They'll never get it. And so you have to help your clients get the best products that they can. And that's advertising. And, and, and I don't, I know it sounds like, cause I know there's a, a cadre of sort of artists and, or artisans that are like, no, I'll just do what I do. And people will just come by and the, you know, if it works, it works. And if they, and I'm like, yeah, you won't be eating. Like you, you, <laughs> you know, like, and that's that's all fine and good until it doesn't work and you're part of the quota that leaves wedding photography in two years. Right. You know, like there's got to be something, you know, even if it's just getting on wedding wire or 
you know, or just posting a lot or Instagram, all of it does help, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a nonstop thing. It's work. I think we just, I think we like to treat it like a hobby or we like to pretend like it's a hobby or we like to act like it's a hobby maybe, even though we know it's not because of like the way that we sell it. Like we want it to be fun and exciting and like sexy and cool. Like, oh yeah, I just like take photos all the time. Um, without recognizing that, yeah, like it's, it is work. And I actually remember at workshop a few years ago, I was teaching a class in New York and I, I had said, uh, I said in my class, I said, if you aren't working 40 hours a week, you're not a full-time photographer. And I said, you're a part-time photographer okay. masquerading as a full-time photographer. And I said, you're telling people that you work full-time, but you don't work full-time. So I said, a lot of you are acting like you're full-time photographers, but you're really not. And you've been doing this quote unquote full time for years. So if you're going to like, yeah, so you need to get the program or get out the door. Um, and dang, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's beefy. That, that convicts me a little bit. Dang it. Uh, Levi, let's take a break. <laughs> oh my God. All right. We're going to take a break. back i love it do you have a do you have a bowling name a go-to bowling name oh i used to go with leviathan but that's kind of my go my normal go-to like nickname like alias you're like leviathan leviathan yeah i'm gonna remember that if you ever have to go dark or you go into witness protection i'm like i need to find leviathan (laughs) (laughs) hop on reddit google look for yeah look for leviathan and i'll you can find me Mine's always been black smoke, even though I don't smoke. But I just, uh, when I was in high school, like the pinnacle of my bowling years, uh, I would just use black smoke. And I mean, <laughs> it was really funny. I think it was because of, there's a smoke character on uh, on uh, one of those fighting games, Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that was funny. All right, dude. Uh, so we've been talking about talking about <laughs> we've been talking about talking about uh, religion for quite some time and I, I don't know if that will get into it get into it but I did say on the last podcast the last episode I was like oh I'm Christian and then I also said I grew up Christian I think I've always said I grew up Christian and then I also say that I am Christian and to me there's two different distinctions in my mind like okay the fact that I grew up Christian and the fact that I am now Christian is two def- very different things. Uh, and so I kind of wanted to clear that up. So it wasn't like, cause you know, when you say it, especially in today's like day and age, it's like, Oh, you're Christian. So does that mean you hate gay people or does that mean you, you know, or you, you don't like freedom or did you vote for Trump or, all, you know, or whatever, whatever these things may be. And not saying that you can't be any of those things, but I think there's part of me that doesn't want uh, that narrative to be open. And I I want to just say, Hey, this is what it means uh, to me. And so growing up Christian, I think was very like, uh, I wouldn't even say it was very full of love. I wouldn't say that it was like, Oh my gosh, I grew up Christian and we were taught to hate people at no point where, you know, in the Bible, we would talk about how, like, let's say, uh, sin was wrong. <laughs> I'm being very blanket. <laughs> 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 I, I caught myself. Anyway, 
uh, is wrong and all that kind of stuff. And I grew up very like straight laced dude. Like I, you know, didn't drink at all until I was like 27 or something like that. Like it was, Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was extremely, my dad was a pastor and it was extremely like, this is how, this is what faith is. And I, I was, uh, I led a, a, a youth group in my church. I mean, in my, uh, when I was a kid, like in elementary school and middle school, I taught Bible school, like in church. And then when I got to high school, I led a group there uh, called Warriors United because we were the Warriors. And then in college, I was heavily involved in sort of the on-campus ministries. And so I was like very, very much into uh, the culture of Christianity. Uh, and I'm only saying that because that's just how I grew up. And so I remember there was a time, and I'm just being brutally honest, there was a time where I didn't understand what it what what I didn't understand what it meant to be gay or I'm, I'm not gay but what I'm saying is I didn't understand it and so I was against it I there was a time in which I did not want to even I, I wouldn't have even wanted to talk to someone that was gay I wouldn't you know well it was never that bad I had uh, I had gay friends in college I wouldn't say it was ever that bad but I would say that there was a time in which I might, I would have I would have made a gay joke or something like that, you know. And I'm and I hope this doesn't like uh, I hope people can hear that I'm just trying to be as honest as possible. I'm not trying to say yeah. like that was okay because uh, it, it it wasn't okay, and I've definitely ha- had to learn from that. But I think it's a, a you know one of the marks of intelligent conversation is, is that we can understand and put ourselves in the place of the other person and, and just listen objectively and just say, okay. And so I hope that this is a place for that, you know, on the pod is it, you know, this is a place where I was, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. 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 And so I think I've had to come to a different place now in someone who understands uh, my own faith and understands like, where where the world is and i i literally just don't want to be a person of hate who pushes anyone away uh and and so when i you know and this is this narrative is so different among all christians like when i say i'm a christian i do believe you know i believe in god i believe in jesus but i also believe that he wants us to love people and i my understanding of him is one based on of love and justice. And so, uh, and so in that I don't, there's no hate in me. There's no like, Oh my gosh, I hate, you know, the gay person or I don't want the gay person to have rights or, or this or that or anything like that. I don't, I don't really like, I want them to be as happy as they can be now, you know? And so I'm not going to use hate. I will use love as whatever vehicle I can to like help them, or help me or help anyone have a happy life. And so uh, I think that's where I am right now. Like I I know that I'm still growing and uh, I feel like I haven't said as much as I needed to say, but that's kind of like where maybe I'll leave that uh, on the the floor right now and just say, when I think about religion, I don't care so much for the organized part of it or the part where 
where man comes and destroys it. Um, and I think that is one of the biggest parts of Christianity or any, any faith that I think other outsiders are opposed to. They're opposed to when men come and make it something that is not what God intended. Uh, and that to me is a horrible thing. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's where I think that's where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying stuff, but, uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's big. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess like I, I think we don't talk about too much in the pod, but like I, I also grew up Christian, uh, and am still Christian actually have a degree in biblical studies and theology. Like I studied theology for four years and, you know, took Greek classes and wrote like, uh, exegetical papers on like iconography and all kinds of stuff like that. And, um, I actually studied like theology overseas as well too, like studied it in Europe. Um, so I think, I feel like my faith has just been shaped so differently and so radically in the last couple of years, honestly, because I think I'm, I've had to grapple with all the things, all the artifacts of faith that I was raised with and then have to sort through what I believe and what I don't believe. Like, um, I think one of the most obvious things is like people think of like evangelicals as like being like hardcore Republicans and whatnot. And, um, and I grew up like in that, in that realm where it's like, Hey, like if you vote Democrat, you're evil. And I look at myself now, like, I feel like I'm like, about as far left politically as they come, but there doesn't seem to be room for me at the table because like all the Christian side rejects what I, what I believe. But I also feel like all the like democratic side, um, I, like one thing I, I had someone kind of come at me this week for something I posted on Instagram, um, about voting differently. And they're like, and they're, you know, they're a friend from college and they, uh, they're on the conservative side and stuff, and so they they, they were basically like say, they were basically saying like, hey, I, I can't vote differently because I can't vote for people that support abortion. And um, I was gonna kind of put a big post about it on like in my Instagram stories, but I was like, ah, just probably not not right or not relevant. But like for example, like for myself, I I feel like I um, I am pro life, but for that for me to say that, it means I also have to be like pro every life like that means I have to be supportive of every single person that has life that means I have to think that life is sacred which means I have to be um, anti-capital punishment and uh, anti um, like yeah I have to be anti-capital punshment anti-war I'm a pacifist I don't believe I believe that all life is sacred well uh, I don't yeah. think that means that no, I mean, that's what it means for me at least oh um, I see what you're saying okay. yeah yeah I'm sorry it's like I I um, I'm, yeah, I am anti-war. I'm a pacifist. And I also feel like that kind of comes down even to like, to, to border stuff too. Like immigration is like, um, I think if I am, I have to also be like, be pro the lives of all the people that are on me, whether that's, whether, you know, they are born in this country or not or things like that. And, um, so all this says, I think my, you know, that's kind of a, a tirade now, I guess, but I do feel like my, my faith has been shaped and changed so differently over the years of like what it means to be a Christian, I think has been so much more about what does it mean to actually like apprentice Jesus? Like what does it mean to actually like do what Jesus did and said versus like separate and separate that from what cultural Christianity says is the right thing or the wrong thing or what's, what's sin or not sin. Um, cause I think it's a lot more murky and gray than I think a lot of people want it to be people I think yeah. like it to be pretty black and white and it's just not I think that it happens a few times in 
in sort of uh, in certain time where or in history where uh, as a faith there's a reckoning with societal like ideology. So what I mean is right now the faith has to come to a reckoning uh, on like homosexual like like what how what they think of it. And there's a lot of people who don't care. And so so now there's like a change in the faith. You can see it in some of the uh, like the Lutheran faiths where they're very open to having like uh, homosexual pastors and things like that uh, in one sect of the Lutheran faith, I think. Uh, excuse me. Where we're on art, you know, and so it's a very interesting thing where what I'm hearing from people is that they love Jesus, but they don't love what Christianity stands for, you know? And so I, I think I, I also, like, I want to talk to people who are not in the faith, who are just like, oh, just listening. Like, what are you guys mm-hmm. talking about? It's like the people who are Christian, they're not idiots. They're not like, oh my gosh, I blindly follow whatever everyone, you know, whatever the pastor said. I, I'm sure that that's what some people think. And they're just like, how can, no, there's a sweet and wonderfulness to the faith that, you know, that is so hard to leave. It would be, it would be so ridiculous to leave something that you, someone that you know. Uh, but, and I feel like my nose is like so stopped up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, well, I was like hurting to talk. Cause I have to like find my breath. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, but at the same time, there are people who just like, I, there's, there is a, a definite like, shift between what I want to believe and what I believe or what I want to believe and what I'm being told to believe. I don't want to believe that gay people or whatever, or that I have to believe this. And in politics, we draw these lines that are so tough in the sand. We say, oh, and that's why I kind of jumped in when you were saying the thing about uh, war and peace. It's like, we draw these lines of politics that say, okay, if you're, if you don't, believe in abortion that you are this way or if you think this about guns that you are this way and they're so they're so intensely like black and white but we're humans and humans don't operate that way like it we're we're not like that black and white and so it, it really to me is unfair uh, in the world in the realm of politics because they polarize our societal ide- ideology that isn't necessarily that polarizing. So now all of a sudden, because politics are so, so polarized, oh, then you're Christian, then you think this, and you're way over here. And that's not true. If I'm Christian, I'm Christian, and I still think that a woman has, you know, I think that a woman has the right to do what she needs to do with her body. Am I also pro-life? Yeah, like I don't think that that's crazy. Like, right. but in right. politics, it's crazy because they make the line and they say, "Well, it has to be this way or that way." Right. And I'm like, no, I I do believe that that I don't want. You just got a text. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want like little babies to be aborted freely. Like, I don't think that the people who are pro-choice want that either. Right, but we right. paint them in so such a horrible like light that it's like, oh, you're pro-choice. So you think 
you think but you're down to kill babies. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no. And then, then we're fighting. And I was like, no, no one thinks that. Like, right. we're not even the same people, thing. Yeah, yeah, some people think that, but I don't think that. And so do I also think that uh, a woman has a you know a right to her body and all those things that the the pro-choice people are saying? I'm like, well, well, yeah, I think that too. I, I don't do I know the answer? No, I'm not in politics. You know, like it's not my. I don't. I don't know the answer. I don't know what the right way, what to say to that is, except to say that the people that I talked to on both sides. I remember when when Obama was elected. I looked on my Facebook feed, and I'm sure a lot of people have this, but I know that I know people on both sides very well, and there were people that were like, "Go Obama, go Obama." That was their uh, Facebook profile, and then. Every other line was no Obama, no Obama. <laughs> and I remember being like, wow, is everyone seeing this? Like how polarizing this is? And uh, and I remember my, my older brother, we talked about it. He had, he had seen the same thing. He was like, yeah, like it's so crazy because we have a lot of the same friends. Uh, and we grew up sort of in both worlds. But when you start hearing them talk about things, yes, there are some people who are extreme on the other side or the other side. But the course core values of a lot of the people like, no, we don't, I don't really think that I don't, I don't want women to not have the choice to do what they want, you know, with their body to, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, I, I don't want to kill babies, you know, like I, 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 that's, and, and I wish it wasn't so crazy. I do gun laws. Well, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think that gun laws are crazy and that, this girl who just came to Colorado shut down the schools because she got off a plane. She went to a store and bought a gun and she's a known like uh, Columbine shooting sympathizer or something weird. Like she was obsessed with Columbine. You heard about this, right? Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. All the schools were shut down for a day. Like all this, all the kids had to go home. And until they found her, there was a, there was a shootout. She's deceased now. She, the girl is dead. But the fact that she did get off the plane, bought the gun, she wasn't, listen, yes, people kill people, but she wasn't a threat until she bought a gun. Her her peopleness, her craziness wasn't a threat. It was the gun that was the threat. So right. let's be clear on that. Like, you know, but at the same time, do I think people should hunt? Yeah, I'm from Georgia. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't want to come across and like, Ruin your right to. Be, I feel like I'm the most problematic person in the world right now. <laughs> so I'm just like, well, yes and yes and yes and no and no. But but what I'm saying is, I, I think both sides might, if we could just like reset the world, might agree that gun laws are a little crazy. Like, yeah, I see that. Like, I can see that. You know, if there weren't, weren't the polit- political system and the 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 faith delineations and all that stuff and we weren't picking sides and you were just to reset everything and just ask you know redneck dude hey man do you think semi-automatic weapons should be like easily purchased and he'd be like no man that's horrible why would i need that you know (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time i you know listen i'm being problematic but i also think that the you know the pro life person or pro-choice person might have a different stance on it might be like let's try to figure out a way where 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 it makes sense or where where we're not like 
Oh man, because it's tough. I didn't think yeah. we were talk about this. Gosh, yeah, man. Gosh, Levi. Well, I think that the, I think to your point, it's like it's tough because like, I feel like if you say like I'm you're pro life, that what you're saying is like I'm anti women. I'm like I'm definitely not that. And I feel like and I'm, I think also if you, on the flip side, if you say you're pro choice, it's like oh well you hate babies. And it's like th- none of those things are true. Like you you can you can have beliefs and opinions and be on this like scale. It's not like it's not like one extreme or the other. There is all the space in between of saying I want the best f- for human flourishing. Um, and I think that's where people like say like, nope, if you this, you either this way or that way. And it's like, I just don't think that's, that's the case. And yeah, I don't think that's the case. Either. I, I think we're living in this like ultra, ultra gray area, like time, especially with faith and Christianity say, you know what? I'm, I'm realizing a lot of things in my faith that I thought were paramount, maybe aren't. Um, and that we, I've been told to believe if you, if you do things this way or you believe things this way, that's the, what it means. And I'm like, that's just not what it means. And I'm realizing that that's okay to like reject that and say, you know, like maybe there is a lot more gray with God and with, and with humanity than there is that we'd like to admit because gray makes us uncomfortable because if, if when it's not gray, we can give it label. We can say, Oh, you were pro-life or you were pro-choice. You're one or the other. You can't be both. Um, and I love like I feel like in the New Testament, God doesn't work in these paradigms that fit that way, where it's kind of like he kind of like has these paradoxical things about him. And I think that is pretty exemplary of what it means to be a person of faith is that you have to have faith. There has to be a level of like, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I think that's OK. Like there there are core things that you stick to, but there are, I think, level of saying, you know, like um, at the end of the day, like it's it's there. Yeah. It's, it's okay if we don't know everything or if we can't like compute everything into like being like, this is right. This is sin. I think that's exactly what ended up happening when Jesus was around. It's like the, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin had done that same stuff. They had computed like what it meant to like be Jewish into a science. Like right. if you do these things, you're Jewish. If you do it to them, then you're not. And I think we're in, we are always in danger of doing that exact same thing with Christianity. Like, if you vote Republican, you're Christian. If you vote Democrat, you're not. Like all that kind of stuff is just like artifacts of uh, idolatry, where we make other things more important and we tell we we feel like we can tell other people what it means to be Christian. And it's just like that's just not. The way Gosh, it I, I love that you said that, Levi, because especially for the people who who aren't in the faith, who don't know that story, that that the Christians of the day, the religious people of the day. Christ came to put an end to that as well. Like when he came, he was like, that's not what it means to be religious. He, he said to the Christian people or to the religious people, you guys have it wrong. Like he said it to everyone. He, he said, hey, this is the way over here. It's not this book of rules. It's not this. It's not that. It's not. And so that's the faith that the people that you know understand is that, that it's not hey, we're, we're pro this, and so therefore we're Christian and we're following the path of God. And like, I, I do believe God would come down and say, listen, it's, it's not about hate. It's not about these rules that you set in place to say no to people. It's about acceptance and love. And not like I'm like all hoity-toity and like, oh, my God, hoity-toity is not the word. But, you know, I'm not like, oh, everything is acceptable. I don't agree with that either. I do think that there are there is holiness uh, when it comes to our faith, but at the same time, uh, I understand that there is grace. I think sometimes we, as a people or as a faith, but for the people that are in it, look way past the grace 
and say, well, I'm going to tell you what it means to be holy. And right. if you don't, if you don't do that, they're like, listen, which one, which one is Jesus? It is both, but you, he identifies with grace. That's what he came for. That is the purpose of him is grace. So if you don't understand that, then you're, you're missing the whole entire point of the Bible. <laughs> you know, like you're, if you don't get it, then you're missing all of it. And so it's, I don't know. I, 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 I sometimes I'm just like, ah, where's the reset button? Where's the thing where we could just, you know, press it and start the game over and just not go down this rabbit hole of horrible thought and just, you know, keep playing in the clouds or whatever. But ah, what are you going to do? Wow. That was a, a really heavy part two that we were, I was not expecting. I was not expecting. I, I wanted to talk about religion, but I didn't want to like, uh, you wanted to gloss over it probably. And I just didn't want people to think that I was like, Oh, Eighty said he's Christian, so therefore he uh, he thinks this. This must hate black people. Yeah, like no, I hate myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a thing, though. Do Christians hate black people now? Is that? I don't. I don't know, man. I just feel like no. It was a thing at some point. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's been a thing with with Christians hating somebody. Unfortunately, it seems like so. Yeah, no, we could talk about this for... Yeah. Well, uh, maybe it's up to the listeners. Hey, if y'all have questions or thoughts or things, feel free to hit us up. I feel like we don't talk about this topic frequently, and I feel like we probably won't talk about it all the time. Um, maybe we will. Who knows? Maybe this will be a change in the podcast. But um, what? I, yeah, I'm just curious if people... You're just going to make that them. decision without me? You're just gonna... No, no, I'm just saying Like, I'm, I'm just saying maybe it's possible Like, if... if we keep talking about stuff or people have questions and maybe we'll talk about this more. I don't know. I'm open. I think the pod should be open uh, to anything. I was talking to a guy. He's at the house the other night and he was like, AD, I didn't know your middle name was Neil. I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, it is. He's like, do you know how I knew that? I was like, no. He's like, I listened to your podcast. I was like, (laughs) no. His name's Andrew, not Andrew Baker. Um, So shout out Andrew. Anyway, uh, uh, he's not a photographer. And I was like, oh, that's dope. You know, like people are listening. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I think whatever we, we were defining, someone was like, oh, what's your podcast about? It's like, oh, it's about photography and life and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> 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 he was like, yeah, yeah, I think that is what it's about. So it's, uh, I oh, think we're, we're talking about whatever. We're talking about whatever. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in this week and hearing about uh, chess and faith and... Take good pictures. Uh, take good pictures, be creative, and um, hit us up with any questions or any thoughts, and we'll catch us on the next week. Okay, that's the worst outro. <laughs> okay, you do it. What did you say? Take good pictures and have good thoughts? Did you say that? I said be creative. Oh, take good pictures and be creative? Yeah, no, that yeah, that was good. Sorry, I think I had my own narrative going in my head. Oh, okay, okay. So this is the Black Lab Podcast. Take pictures, be creative. We'll see you next week. <laughs> okay, that's for real. The ending now. We're done. Okay.